Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast that goes deep on all the dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne journalists Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello. Coming up on today's show, what in the world is the allure about Justin Bieber? We deep dive the intrinsically gendered use of the word genius and why we never hear Beyonce described as one and how YouTube influencers are slowly losing touch with reality. But first, Michelle, how was your week? How was my week? I haven't even thought about how I want to answer that question. It was an okay week. I did get a little bit teary when you left my place of work. I know my last day was yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. And I was the one tasked with doing your going away speech in front of our entire team. And I got a bit upset. And I did not. <laughs> yeah, that was because I'm emotionally thing. stunted. Well, that's the awkward <laughs> thing is that I was over there being all emotional and sappy as per usual, and you're just cool in the background, be like, "Can we wrap this up now?" No, no, no. <laughs> but that's not a that's not a cold thing. That's just a pure awkward thing. I didn't realize that I couldn't handle being the center of attention probably until yesterday. I always thought that I was fine as the center of attention, but I sometimes think those scenarios make me feel sick. I think I will be bawling when I walk down the aisle, not because when I get married, not because, not because I'll be happy, but because I'll just feel sick that everybody's looking at me. So anxious. Like so overwhelmed. You've got what I've got, which I call birthday anxiety. I hate my birthday because I hate everyone. I don't hate my birthday. And then we talked about this and I said, I don't usually hate my birthday. And then we worked out it's because I share it with two friends around me. So we always sort of share the the load you've got one third of the load to carry when you've got the full load of birthday attention to carry it is daunting and anxiety i don't know how we got here Mm. to this conversation (laughs) you left you left and you're going to europe next week i know i am and i feel um i said to you just before we started recording i am not naturally a very organized person i wouldn't call myself a mess i'm just somewhere in that in the sweet spot of being organized or not organized. You're the kind of person who will leave stuff on their desk for a very long time. Like with, coffee cups? Yeah. <laughs> you just have coffee um, cups all over the place. But I have tried. I've made a conscious effort this time to be super organized, getting all my shit together. I bought floss for the plane. Despite not, the fact that you don't floss I don't, normally. Not at all, but I got pressured when I was in the aisle by myself. And I've tried to be organized, but I've realized it's such a curse because the more organized I am, the more I realize I just don't have my shit together. Not at all. No. Uh, let's move on from your little uh, European escapades that are coming up. So obviously this week everyone was talking about Justin Bieber. They were. And Justin Bieber's new relationship with Hayley Baldwin. Who new I, relationship. Well, old renewed, relationship. renewed, renewed relationship. I will be honest, I don't know very much about who Hayley Baldwin is. Upon a Google search, I did figure out that she's actually the niece of mm. Alec Baldwin. And the daughter of Stephen. Yeah, so the Baldwin family is huge in Hollywood. I'm not sure what she is actually famous for. When you she's a model. Well, they when you Google her, her Wikipedia page will always say actress, model, etc. But TV like, personality. I feel like those titles are very loose. Although maybe not the model one because she is quite attractive. She's a very very pretty girl. Yeah. So these two kind of were linked in 2015, 2016. Justin Bieber used to say that they were just friends who would kiss on occasion. They were just kind of seen out and about in LA. It was never anything serious because in case you missed the memo, you cannot tie Justin Bieber down. Can't you? No. Well, maybe you can in 2018. But Where's that memo from? Did well, you just make up it. that memo? No. So in a 2016 GQ profile, I'm um, not sure if you've read this, this before. This are all of my notes are based on this GQ profile because Katie Weaver, who wrote that profile, is like my favorite writer. This is one of my my favorite pieces of hers too. Yes. And it's an awesome profile. So she wrote this for GQ in 2016. It was just after, I guess, Bieber's really big PR crisis where it was quite yeah. evident that he was becoming a royal douchebag and everyone began to hate him. And 
he described Baldwin in that piece. Baldwin was uh, hanging around his hotel room and she was kind of around the periphery during this profile and while it was being written. And he just described her as someone that he has fun with. Well, I, this is what I loved so much about this profile. In fact, all of my notes are just going to be regurgitating Katie Weaver's words. We will put this link in our show notes if you want to read a profile about Justin Bieber. This is brilliant, this one. It captures him so beautifully. And my favourite part was when she said Justin Bieber described him as some her, sorry, as someone that he sort of has a bit of fun with sometimes. And then she notes very quickly in the next line that he called her back up and said, actually, can I, can I rejig my words around her? Where cause Someone clear, that I love very much yes, was his new wording. Which I thought was quite funny. Um, but I'm, we started having a conversation in our Facebook group about the allure of Justin Bieber and what it is about him because he, I still think more than, than One Direction or anything, still has a hold on that teenage girl demographic. My sister is like the most straight-shooting 26-year-old and he has a hold over her. I know, weird. <laughs> Michelle's face was like, what the hell? When I say have a hold, like she, she thinks he's cool. Um, but I think there is something, like what is it about someone like him? He does seem to defy all our traditional ideas about masculinity and what sort of a strong, macho, attractive man looks like. He's totally different. He's this like creative musician who's a little bit complicated, a little bit troubled. He is small which I know is not a thing, but I think if you've been watching Love Island recently, you'll know that <laughs> women don't like short men, apparently. Height is number one on every woman's list, apparently. What do you think it is? Uh, I was thinking about this during the week because I did really like that comment that someone put in our Facebook group saying, does anyone else really get confused by the attractiveness of Justin Bieber? Like, why do some women find him so just alluring and um, irresistible? Mm. And... Reading this profile from Katie Weaver and then kind of having a think about it myself, I think what it might be is that he is the perfect midpoint between being Christian and lovely and that really soft toy boy image mixed with this criminal deviant. Mm. So, I mean, a lot of people... I'm not even sure how those two things can be in the same sentence, let alone the same human, but he does somehow seem to do it. Yeah, so he always is talking about God and how much God has directed his entire life and guides his every decision. But in that, he has also abandoned a monkey in Germany. He has had drink driving charges. He has spoken about his ADHD medication and how he uses Adderall. He's such an enigma because he does both at once. So the intersection between religion and criminality with him and his family is really fascinating. I'm not sure if many people know this, but his mother was a drug dealer who fell pregnant at 17. His Mm. father was in prison when he was born. Mm -hmm. He's grown up in this very unusual, broken family. Obviously, they nurtured him a lot and his mother did get through her problems and his father did eventually get out of prison and start to build a life for himself. But Justin Bieber's story is really fascinating. I still wonder. I think there's a couple of things in that. Firstly... When I consider Justin Bieber as religious, I think the most short-sighted and close-minded part of me considers that that it's not genuine, which I don't think, I think is an unfair assumption, but I think probably not an uncommon one. There is something really at odds with the image that he puts out when he is then going to church and things like that. But I do think that comes down to my own biases because I think it is absolutely possible for him to be multiple things at once, which is, like you said, a criminal deviant and a really religious guy. I think the other thing that's really interesting is when I consider why he has such a hold 
on so many young people is that maybe it's a nostalgia thing for so many women. Like if you liked him when you're 15, you're probably not going to grow out of that because his music hasn't sucked. I think maybe if he fell off the radar, then you'd fall out of love with him a little bit because he has remained on our radar so consistently. I think it's been really hard for people to sort of lose their love for him. Mm. There was a really interesting quote in the Katie Weaver piece. This is There was two parts about that piece that I loved so, so much. It was the lead. Do you remember reading that lead? It was about him ordering chicken nuggets. It was the, how she opened and she was like, she compared him to sort of like a young, a young boy who's just become king and his first wish is to order chicken nuggets. The second thing, which I thought was really interesting, she said, let's note before we get too much further that Justin Bieber is not easy to talk to. A linguist would say he violates back channel norms. That is, he withholds those subtle signs, short verbal cues like, mm-hmm, right, yeah, quick head nods. Then indicate an engaged listener and then encourage the speaker to continue. Justin Bieber makes eye contact like a person who has been told that eye contact is very, very important. I wonder if also it's that sense of mystery, like he's super, super complicated, but that captured to me this guy that you actually can't work out very well. Mm. Nobody can quite work him out and we were just, we've been trying to work him out for the last five minutes and I wonder if that is half the battle too, that yeah. mystery is still the biggest pull. Yeah, and I know that out of my girlfriends, they fawn over him. Still? Yes, yeah, still. Yeah. There's still that uh, pull towards him as this guy who just has this air of mystery around him. I've never been Justin Bieber fan. I've been quite open about that. But it's fascinating to see that even now after what, it's probably been almost a decade in the public eye for yeah. him, that he still has this hold on women. And it's a real credit to the team around him and the reinvention of his music going from baby in, it would have been ages ago when he was just a young it would have teenager. Been ages ago. <laughs> to what he does now and the music he has now where it's critically acclaimed. Like critics do come out about his music and say, this is good stuff. Well, You're allowed to like it. I don't think anyone can deny that he has a lot of talent. Like this is a kid that could play the piano, play the guitar, do a million different things, sing, write his own music from the age of 12. And I think that's often what we forget in these conversations is there is credibility behind the the smoke and mirrors. But I think that is also part of it perhaps is that when you have so much intrinsic talent and have for so, so long, you inevitably and inherently have an air of confidence to you that a lot of other people don't have. And if you're confident, like anyone can sense that from a mile away. Bringing this back to Hayley Baldwin just for a second before <laughs> we wrap it up, it will be really fascinating because I know in 2016 when he was talking about his on and off relationship with her, he was saying, I don't want to be tied down because I cannot commit to one woman traveling the world and having the situation I have, which is code for I have women throwing themselves at me. Which is pretty mature. Every day. To say, I don't want to hurt her because I can't be faithful to one woman right now. I think that is quite mature for him to say in 2016. I absolutely agree. I think I read that and it is a bit jarring to read that on paper, a 20-year-old kid saying, I don't want to be tied to anyone. But I think that is the most mature thing I've heard because it, it just hints so much to how self-aware he is. And I don't think you can blame him. You put any 21, 22, 23-year-old in that position and I think most would say the same thing. for the quick and dirty every week we deliver you guys the top five celebrity stories that you may have missed from the rough and tumble of the news cycle zara mcdonald you are hosting the quick and dirty this week i am and the first story on my list was an interesting one this week lena dunham wishes ex jack antonoff a happy father's day says their bond is forever please note that four is a number four that is from people magazine 
before ever. Very retro. It's very Veronica's. <laughs> very Veronica's. Uh, interesting. Their breakup was obviously very heart-wrenching for Lena Dunham. She wrote an amazing piece about it. it was It was for Vogue. It was for Vogue. I actually put this in the Facebook group a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, worth Well worth a read. I think if anyone has ever been sad about a breakup, like it, you can feel those feelings pouring off the page. And it is – she is a – Stunning writer. She is. She she absolutely is. There is a reason that she is so well known and it's not because she's the star of a TV show. It's because she is, despite all criticism, got half a brain. Yeah, I've been writing for years and I still read her stuff and come across the most beautiful words that I've never even heard of before. Just all just the way they're put together. Like I read that and it's like it's stunning. It makes, I don't know, it just makes me really, really happy to read words, even when they're that sad. I did find this weird. I mean, A, they don't have kids together, we should say that. So he's wishing, she's wishing him a happy Father's Day about an animal, maybe? Yeah, they, they they, I think they love their pets. I, don't, I, don't, I, I wonder if I can read that piece she wrote for Vogue and consider how they can possibly be friends. Mm, it's tricky when you've been in a relationship for that long and it was like ends six years I think and they live together and you build a life together gut-wrenching gut I'm wrenching. just not sure how you can possibly be friends so I wonder if this is that early stage where you try and make a real effort to, to make it on good terms and in and in trying to you know ensure those good terms you think that friendship is the way to go but I can't see that being sustainable just as a little aside as well I wonder how she deals with the fact that they were together for so long and she is a very particular kind of woman to then see Jack Antonoff go off and date very different women to who she is very young very conventionally attractive women models models and I think that would be challenging for Lena Dunham to see that and deal with that because in your head you would go you were so happy with me for so long and yet this is what you now want I think that says a lot though about how we kind of put people in boxes and how we just assume that they have one type forever and I I don't think that is to say that you can undo the six years that you were together but it would be really hard because we are we do struggle not putting people in boxes and saying well if you loved me for six years why wouldn't you go for someone similar like me Mm. Anyway, story number two, Bo Ryan opens up about the moment he nearly ruined his marriage in a candid interview. I have a weird respect for couples who can survive infidelity, like Bo and Cara Ryan have. Obviously, for anyone who doesn't know, Bo Ryan is an NRL star. He is a former NRL star now. He used to play uh, years ago. He's now a TV personality. If you're from Melbourne, I guess he's the equivalent of like a Shane Crawford, that mm, like definitely funny sports person who's now on all those footy shows and making people laugh. So he had an affair with um, High Five star Lauren Brandt in Mm -hmm. 2015. And this interview with Balls Deep, I think, which is News Corp's podcast with men, was very interesting in him owning his mistakes pretty well and talking about how he and and Cara, his his wife, worked through them. It just made me think how easily we forgive sporting men that fuck up when they show one or two signs of redemption, the Brendan Favolas, even the Barry Halls. But you know what? I'm far more likely to forgive someone for infidelity and cheating on their wife because I don't feel like, or cheating on their husband, because I don't feel like that is necessarily an evil that we should punish them professionally for. However, the difference between a Bo Ryan and a Wayne Carey is vastly different. Wayne Carey kicked police women in the teeth. Allegedly. He he has bashed his partners. Allegedly. And I I am not willing 
to sit by and let him have his job and get huge paychecks and no I agree with that but what I'm saying is when it comes to us being able to forgive Ryan and Brendan Favola that is wonderful for them and I would hate to assume that a couple of mistakes should define someone it just shits me that we are very often struggle to forgive a woman who has done exactly the same thing I think Lauren Bryant's reputation has struggled far more than Bo, Bo Ryan's mm, I still feel, I still think she's tied with that that homewrecker brush Number three, the epic way Katie Price caught her husband cheating. That is from Yahoo. I love that we've started with three relationship stories because relationship content is my favorite type of content. I didn't even mean that when I put that together. This this made me cackle when I read this story. Yeah, so I'll give a bit of context. Katie Price is the glamour model from the UK. She is now with her third husband. They're separated or estranged. They're not together anymore because he cheats on her like no tomorrow. But the way she caught him cheating is incredible. So while he was asleep in bed next to her, she got his thumb, pressed it to the home screen of his iPhone so that it would activate his fingerprint and open up. And that way she went through all of his messages with other women. And that was the final straw in their marriage. Yeah, I think she saw like a fuckload of messages of him texting like 19-year-old girls. And she was like, okay, out of here. Um, That sounds like something out of a movie or a sitcom. Well played, Katie Price. Is it? a little bit problematic that she did that or do we not care i think maybe what get maybe it would be an entirely different story if he wasn't cheating and therefore it's just an invasion of privacy i do feel like though if you've got that much of a hunch that you need to go through your boyfriend's phone there's red flags somewhere he might not be cheating but there is there is something intrinsically wrong with the relationship you've built together and if he's already slept with the nanny a few years prior. Well, then, yeah, true. In that context, then maybe not problematic because uh, she has stuff to work on. But look, maybe we also shouldn't encourage the abuse of privacy too. <laughs> Number four, Demi Lovato reveals she relapsed after six years in new song Sober, I'm Only Human, from People. I have so many feelings about this. Can I just have a little rant? Don't make it too annoying, but sure. Okay, well, I'm annoyed that she teased this for a week, telling her fans that she had a message to come out and not everyone would be happy about it and it was coming out in gossip magazines and everything that Demi Lovato had this big announcement. I find it really troubling that if you have a problem with addiction, you turn that into a money-making enterprise in the form of a music single and that you clickbait your fans with it. I think it's just an insane world that we live in that someone with substance abuse problems uses that as a business ploy to sell more albums. You know, that's a pretty good rant. That's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, I guess it's her, that's her story. So is she not allowed to do with it what she will? I just think it's a fucked up world we live in that that's then turned into a money-making No, I agree with you. I just want to... I think it's her right. If she wants to do it, I think it's her right. But it's also my right to tell her that it's fucked up. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I was just (laughs) seeing how how strongly you wanted to fight this point. Number five, Chloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson photographed enjoying McDonald's in a Rolls Royce (laughs) from the cut. How is that a thing? How are they still together? The paparazzi photos. Look, I know that's actually the second part of it. But the first part is the paparazzi photos of them rolling through McDonald's drive-thru in a Rolls Royce just looks absurd. I love it though. That's my dream. Also, I don't reckon that means they're together. They're probably raising a child together, having the shittest time. And the only thing bringing them out of a hole is a 4pm run to McDonald's. You know how much the Kardashians have their tentacles in the celebrity news cycle. They are absolutely back together. After I read this story in the cut, I then went and did a bit of a deep dive. And there are a lot of articles out there saying Kardashian family has totally forgiven Tristan Thompson yeah, nice. and just wants to move on. I wonder if they're following him again. I know that they all unfollowed him. and Ooh, then in the, I look while we talk? And in the days after, they had to re-follow him. 
So I'm pretty sure Kim Kardashian unfollowed him and then refollowed him because it's kind of like that classic scenario when you're pissed off with a friend's boyfriend or something when they fuck something up and then you realize very quickly they're getting back together and you need to mend all broken bridges. Uh, I can confirm that Kim Kardashian is not following Tristan Thompson on Instagram. Okay, but didn't we have this conversation last week where you actually do need to cross-check? I'm like the Daily Mail. You need to cross-check? No, because they don't cross-check. Mm, I wonder if he's following her. One second. This is v- live investigation work. He is... Perhaps we should have done this investigation work off air. He's not following her, but he is following other Kardashians. He's following Chloe, Kylie, Chris and Kendall, but he's not, not following Courtney or Kim. I don't think, yeah, I know. I don't think that's that surprising. I think Kim's the only one that's come out publicly and said how tough it's been on Chloe. So maybe he resents that. Mm. I don't know. Um, I think that's all I've got for you, though. Thank you, Zara McDonald. Thank you. Now, are you like me, where you you want to relax, but then after just a short amount of time, you can't wait to do something again? I don't know how to relax. Yeah, absolutely. I don't like to get a massage. I don't like to. Oh, I don't. Oh, I like to get a massage. (laughs) I go a little far. The only time I can really relax is on a boat because then I have no excuse. I'm stuck mm-hmm. and I have to take care of myself yeah. and, and eat good food and I don't I can't escape. This week Beyonce and Jay-Z dropped a surprise album. They're already fighting for top billboard spots and there's already Grammy talk surrounding their tracks. But as the album dropped, so too did an article on gossip website Lanny Gossip. Beyonce, the genius of work and secrets was the headline, written by the site's founder Lanny herself. Over the last few weeks, there's been discussion about the word genius, she wrote. Who gets to be called a genius and why we may need to stop calling them geniuses? There are many, many problematic geniuses, she went on. Most, if not all, are men. Women aren't as quickly labeled geniuses, if ever. Run a search of how often Kanye West is referred to as a genius versus how often Beyonce is. Pretty sure the count would reflect a much higher score on the Kanye side. And so began the discussion, Michelle. Why don't we call Beyonce a genius? Do you think there's a reason we don't? Well, why don't we call any women geniuses? I was thinking about this. You turned to me after you read this Lanny Gossip piece and said, oh my God, it was almost like we both had a light bulb moment. And for whatever reason, we do struggle to call women geniuses and we have since the dawn of time. When I think of geniuses, I think of Albert Einstein, Leonardo da Vinci, Shakespeare, the Beatles, Prince, Steve Jobs. Mm. I think of dozens and dozens of men and I think that's been something that has been ingrained in me since I was a little kid. I don't think I was ever told about any female geniuses growing up, despite the fact that there would be hundreds that we don't even know the names of. Of course there wouldn't be. Women are stupid. <laughs> I'm kidding, obviously. Um, it's very similar to when I was looking up this and doing a bit of reading on this. The word genius seems to be as gendered as the word brilliant. So I think we don't often call Beyonce brilliant either. Even though she is, I think, the leading force in the music industry right now, the most successful, the smartest, with the best PR strategy, the most talent, the most fans. I think that would be a pretty fair... The most dollars behind uh, her? She's just... She's an, she's a, an organisation, a company, a conglomerate in herself. Mm. But I think we don't use these words around her. And at the end of the day, like you just rattled off those names, it is entirely gendered. We call her Queen B. Mm. which I think is really interesting and a really interesting indictment on on how we treat women who are so successful. And I think for me, when I think about the word queen or queen bee, it has such connotations of just being a popularity contest. It's like a separate, it's it's like there's a separate set of uh, rules or sort of a separate category we put smart women in or successful women in. But we call like the, top, the girl at the top of the school queen bee. And that's not necessarily always a good thing either. It is just purely a popularity contest with with no basis in talent. Yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there. To be a queen, it's all about your 
status in society, but it's had nothing to do with who you actually are or what you give the world. It's all about what you were born into. So when it's a woman who's talented, we kind of go, oh, well, she was born this way. She was born predetermined to be a star. Whereas with men, it's like, look how hardworking he is. Look at his magnificent brain. Look at what he does. And I think it comes back to, in my mind, that we still sexualize women so much more than we do men. And I think when we think about Beyonce, yes, we see a huge talent, but we also see someone who is hugely sexy. And we see someone who Mm. has buildings built in the shape of her body. Someone who has a perfume label. Someone that wears bejeweled costumes up on stage and is renowned for her curves and the size of her bum and her thighs and her waist. Whereas when I think of Kanye West... I don't see him as someone who's overly sexual. I see him as someone who is mad on Twitter and always making new music and a really uh, introverted, unusual, unique man. Genius. Yeah. Because they are the traits I think we consider a genius. When you talk about sexuality, there was a lot I read online about how she does play into her sexuality, which she has every right to be, and being considered someone who is a genius and someone who plays into their sexuality absolutely shouldn't be mutually exclusive. And Kanye West does that too. He raps about sex and speaks about sex all the time. What I found really interesting is when you consider artists like, I love how music industry like we are today when we don't have very big, (laughs) big interest in the music industry. When you consider artists like Prince and David Bowie, they did play up their sexuality and they did play with their sexuality a lot in their music, in their video clips, in their brand. When they do it, they're called pioneers ahead of their time. When Beyonce does it, people like Jermaine Greer slam her. Jermaine Greer, who was meant to be at the forefront of our feminist movement. I think when that is happening, we've got huge issues. Going back to Kanye West, I saw a great tweet during the week from honestly just some random Twitter account from a woman called Silvia Marino Garcia, in case she's listening. (laughs) I feel like I should credit it. And the tweet was one of the many problems with the idea that the artist must suffer to create art is that we are really talking about dudes suffering. If women are like this abusive relationship left lasting scars, people are like, get over it instead of, oh my gosh, she must be a true artiste. But I think that idea is very interesting as well. The idea of not only are we we not affording people like Beyonce the tags of being brilliant and being a genius, but we also don't allow them to be the tortured deep thinking artist especially when they're talking about their relationships and their relationship yeah. breaks downs. Like Taylor Swift is a laughing stock and she writes almost all of her ex- songs almost exclusively about broken relationships. Then there's like the Alanis Morissette who is also sort of like a laughing stock whose album is sort of like the poster, the poster album for breakups. Things like that. Women are considered whiny when they talk about their issues. When men talk about their issues, it's they're a deep thinker. It's like the brave James, and revolutionary. Like the James Franco's. Absolutely. And it does boil down to that idea that women's emotions are at their very core irrational. Yeah. So that when a woman speaks about how she's feeling or her perspective, it's you're emotional, you're hormonal, you're hysterical. Whereas when a man speaks about it, you are groundbreaking, you are fresh, you are innovative. And I think that is so upsetting. I mean, it's good on one hand because I do want to point out that it's great that people are seeing people like Donald Glover, also known as Childish Gambino, and Kanye West as geniuses. I think there is definitely a coloured element here that men of colour and people of colour have not been seen as geniuses throughout the course of yeah. history. And that has only been in the last 20, 30 years that we've really recognised people of colour as being equal in this sense and I think that is incredible and I'm really happy that people like Donald Glover and Kanye West are getting recognition I don't necessarily think Kanye West is a genius but that's another point entirely however we do really need to think about how we speak about women and I think the reason 
actresses and talents like Frances McDormand are so transgressive in Hollywood is because they do something entirely different to what the female ideal, and I'm doing that in um, quotation marks, yeah. the female ideal is that people do see Frances McDormand as something of a genius. But they would never use that language. But I think she's more close. Someone like Frances McDormand is closer to Be- being referred to as a genius Be- than someone like Beyonce because she's not overtly sexual. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I also think it reminds me a lot when we, going back to this idea that we call her a queen rather than anything else, and I said it does play into a lot as if the music industry is a popularity contest. It does remind me a lot of how we don't perhaps trust female preference. I think it says a lot about how we don't trust what females really love and what are really interested in. Because I think, you know, consider how we were just talking about Justin Bieber and he has hordes of young female fans and therefore loses credibility just because of his fan base. Do you remember um, when Harry Styles was interviewed by the Rolling Stone and he said that brilliant, insightful quote, which was... I think he was asked about his female fan base and Harry Styles says, who's to say that young girls who like pop music, short for popular right, have worse musical taste than the 30-year-old hipster guy? That's not up to you to say. Music is something that's always changing. There are no goalposts. But I do think that idea plays a lot into how we consider female musicians because I think when they do have a hordes of young female fans and we are calling Beyonce a queen bee, we just assume she's really, really popular, pumping out really, really mainstream, pumpy music that's just catchy and that's it. Yeah, almost formulaic. Like she's just following the formula to be popular and it's just slotting her notes and whatever into it. Which is absurd because she absolutely isn't. Like she's a pioneer for women of colour. She was the first woman of colour to ever perform at Coachella, like we spoke about a few weeks ago. So she isn't playing by the rule book that that has been set in front of her. Not at all. And uh, maybe this does tie into the fact that we still continue to see women's interests and women's hobbies as domestic and as a bit silly. I know that there's been a lot of discourse around this week around Ocean's 8. That's the female remake of the Ocean's franchise that is Mm. hugely popular, male-dominated series. There has been a lot of conversations about the fact that Ocean's 8 has been trashed by male reviewers, trashed by them as being just a bit kitsch and a bit ick. It's just not quite right. It's not a cinematic experience that many male reviewers said that they enjoyed. And I found that really fascinating myself because I did go to the film and I did really enjoy it. And it was a great night with my girlfriends. I had the best fun. When I heard all these male reviewers trash it, it was difficult for me because I feel like female humour and female interests like the Met Gala, like celebrities, like pop culture, is trashed compared to a lot of male-dominated, and I'm using the commas again, interests, which is sport, um, finance. Cars. Cars. (laughs) Please, I think um, celebrity is far more of an interesting and smart um, (laughs) hobby than cars. You make a really good point. It reminds me a lot of chick lit when men just don't understand Chiclet, which I also hate as a term, but women's books, they just think that they're silly and frivolous. I oh, I read a piece on The Atlantic by Noah Bolatsky and it was the headline was almost exactly what Lainey Gossip spoke about this week, which was why don't we consider Beyonce a genius? And this piece was from about 2013. And I thought I was going to really enjoy the piece because it was exactly what we had been talking about this week and it was so disappointing. I will also put this in the show notes as to what not to think because we are obviously what, not to think. what we are obviously forcing you to think a certain way. We are dictators when it comes to thought. <laughs> um, and Basically, he was just suggesting that she's not considered a genius compared to a lot of other people because she has, quote unquote, sold out and is sort of launching into that mainstream way. Anyway, he did pose one thing that I thought was super interesting. And he said, 
we struggle to consider a woman who dances in heels, which if anyone has walked in heels, knows how bloody hard it is to dance in heels over the course of two hours, to we struggle to consider that as talented as a guy who can play the guitar. And I thought that comparison was really interesting because we're not used to seeing so many women do what Beyonce does. It's very hard for us to consider her in the same league as someone like Michael Jackson, who's dancing in an entirely different way, or someone like someone else who's playing the guitar really well or playing the piano like Elton John. She's just so different to what we've seen. We don't know what to do with her, so we don't lump her in the same category. Mm. But then you think about Justin Timberlake, who's like triple threat. And how she's far more talented than Justin Timberlake, I would Ooh, say. Smack. Hope what? Justin doesn't listen. <laughs> I feel like she would have a much harder path to forward than old mate Justin. No, I totally agree yeah. with you. I think our definition of genius currently lies in an absence of the domestic. But if someone's a mother, particularly, I think we Do you think, really struggle. Or it's to like see an absence someone- of mainstream. I think it's an absence of both. And I think the, the domestic is very mainstream. And I think mm. uh, when we see someone as a mother, we often see that as an identifying characteristic and we see that as defining who that person is. And I wonder if we do really struggle with seeing women as geniuses because we often see them as an extension of the home and the home is banal and boring to a lot of people. The the thing that I did want to end on, because what I have been thinking of a lot is, is how Beyonce will... Cons- will be considered when she eventually does die. Hopefully she doesn't ever die, but if she dies. Someone touch wood. (laughs) If she ever dies. And I think when we consider the legacies of people like David Bowie and Prince, who I touched on before, their legacy is very much a genius legacy. Whereas I wonder if we will just consider Beyonce a really savvy businesswoman, a really savvy brand woman, a really savvy marketer, rather than a really talented woman. Even just a fun musician to dance around to. I, would I really... think that's what it will be reduced to. Beyonce had fun, catchy music and she was commercial think? and she made a lot of money. That will be the legacy. That's, that's what I mean, of... the commercial aspect of her where she was able to make a lot of money through really clever brand strategy, which which we can't deny. She has really, really tight NDAs around her. People can't talk and that's why her reputation is crystal clean. But behind that is a fuckload of talent and also the separate point of that is that when women's, a woman – strays from her brand she's crucified so Beyonce doesn't really have a choice than to have a really tight you know silence around her but I that, I did just think about that is what are we going to consider I hope that when or if she dies if I don't think Beyonce will ever die um <laughs> that that we will come far enough to be able to talk about her in the same kind of way that we talk about men like Prince and David Bowie I'm concerned she'll be remembered as a pop star but I hope she's remembered as an artist it's currently 25 past 7 in the morning. I cannot tell you how much I want a coffee to wake me up this morning. But as you see from the title of this video, and I'm going to speak to you in a minute about, that can't happen. It can't happen as easily as, as I'd like it to. Damn, I need something to wake me up. Some ice cold water. Oh, I can't even use our ice because I... Pe- we don't use ice like... Oh, Empty glass of water it is today. Oh my gosh, just realized I can't even use that. I'm gonna have to use this tap water instead. Today's gonna be far more interesting than what I thought. 
be familiar with the name Elfie Days. The YouTube sensation, who is a daily vlogger and the boyfriend of Zoella, was compelled to delete a video last week that went viral for all the wrong reasons. The video, <laughs> titled Living on One Pound in 24 Hours, sparked massive backlash, with the YouTuber being branded ignorant, privileged and out of touch. Filming the video from his Brighton mansion, the 24-year-old complained about having to drink tap water instead of filtered water and not being able to use his VIP black card at the shops before going to a local Krispy Kreme and claiming a free coffee and a box of donuts just for being famous. Zara, do you think the people representing our generation are seriously out of touch? Not always, but I do think that there is a particular niche when it comes to YouTube influencers who are out of touch now, but I think we struggle with it more because they'd never started out of touch and that's why they were so popular. I mean, so many people gravitated initially to YouTube influencers because they were just like us, maybe a little bit more charismatic or maybe with mildly more, you know, interesting lives. So I think it's the fact that they were really relatable at some point and now they were showered in cash, have really, you know, glossy lives that we struggle with and they do seem a little bit more out of touch now. Mm. If you guys haven't seen this video that we're talking about, it's we will so put funny. it in the Facebook group and we will put it in the show notes for you to check out. It is hilarious. Try and get through the entire thing without losing your mind. So basically what he was trying to do is live on a dollar for a day below the poverty line. However, while he was, was there any reason behind it? It wasn't for raising money or anything. No, he donated seven pence to charity at the end of it. Okay. I wish I was joking. That is legit. Uh, no, the idea behind it was lots of other YouTubers are doing this, so I'll do it too. That's oh my not, God. Yeah. That's hilarious. And so he was supposed to spend a dollar in a day. He ended up buying a t-shirt, a board game, earrings, and a beard comb. But it doesn't count because it's not food. Yeah. So we only <laughs> spent the $1 on food, but it doesn't count that he got a free box of Krispy Kremes just for having his face on the internet. That's not a big deal. This, this video in particular was absurdly out of touch. It like, was. I don't think he stands for every single YouTube influencer as being out of touch, but I do think there is a common theme with influencers going from nothing to everything and losing their sense of reality along the way. Absolutely. And I think he and Zoella, sorry to say it, are two of the influencers who are guilty of doing that. So they have a combined following of 15 million people just on Instagram alone. I would say it would be even more than that on YouTube. It's probably about 20 million on YouTube, but there would be overlap between the people following them on Instagram and on YouTube. So they've got at least 15 million. We know that for sure. What I did really like about this, because he and Zoella do have such massive, unrivaled influence over young teenagers and over our generation, I really love that a YouTuber by the name of Jack Mate came out and made a response video to the bullshit that mm. Alfie Days put out. So what Jack Mate does is he does response videos to the actions of influencers that he doesn't agree with. And sometimes it might cross the line and sometimes it might be seen as a bit harsh. But in this instance, it was 100% bang on. And it really sparked this conversation about privilege, which I think is really important for us to have as millennials. So he's a British guy. He's gaining increasing popularity for debunking many of the messages influencers put out in the, into the world. And I do want to give him a bit of a shout out because that's how we found this yeah, absolutely. story through his video. And I do want to talk about the distinction between jealousy and valid criticism as well, because I know that lots of people will probably hear this segment and go, well, you're just jealous that mm. Alfie Day's got a lot of wealth behind him, that he's self-made, that he's created this empire for himself and that he is privileged. But I think there is a valid criticism here that if you are speaking to millions of people at once, you have the responsibility to make sure your message is good. 
which is a really hard thing, I think, and a high expectation, but one I absolutely agree with for people who don't really mean to become this famous, who have sort of just fallen into it because it was a fun thing to do. So when I was looking into this, I wondered, I wondered what kind of responsibility YouTube influencers have. And I wondered if it's any surprise that because they are very lucrative and they can make a lot of money, if it's their fault that they fall out of touch and what we should expect of them. Making money from young kids is a really, really tricky business. And I think the line comes in when you are willing to take money, like we've said on this podcast before, for your influence to sell young people products, then you have to also take on board the criticism that your message matters and what you are putting out to the world actually really, really matters and is super influential to the young ears and eyes that are listening. I think also we're not talking about all YouTube influencers. What I did find interesting is the YouTube influencers that are super famous are super wealthy, but the ones the middle ground ones aren't making any money. So we are essentially talking about the 1%. Yeah, we're talking about the absolute top tier. And it does come at an interesting time because it's only about six months since Zoella ended up <sighs> in an absolute media storm for uh, releasing this advent calendar for Christmas. It was a 12-door advent ten calendar. 10-door. 10-door. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I've never heard of the calendar being 10 doors. Exactly. Wow, 10 doors, and she sold it for 50 pounds. So almost 100 Australian dollars. When um this this YouTuber, Jack Mate, who we, we just said we stumbled upon this entire saga because of his video, did a brilliant one on the Zoella um, advent calendar too. Have you seen this? I'm obsessed with him. Oh, I've watched okay. all of Jack <laughs> like, Mate's videos. I love how he said week. that. You're offended because you introduced me to this guy. <laughs> um, He did a brilliant unpacking of Zoella's Christmas advent calendar. And I remember hearing this saga back at Christmas, but I didn't dive into it because YouTube influencers just aren't on my radar. And I was like, it cannot be that bad. She's selling this thing for 50 pound. There has to be some things of worth in that. I was blown away. Oh, it was daylight robbery. Cookie cookie cutters, (laughs) little, little, uh, the most expensive thing in there was a 20 cent coin sized scented candle. It was absurd. But I think that does say a lot about how YouTube influencers perhaps don't understand their audience very well and had their rise to fame has been too fast. Because if you don't understand that your young demographic would be saving up a heap of money to buy your stuff, would be asking their parents to save up their money to buy that stuff and would be therefore very disappointed. I think it says a lot about how new this industry is that you don't understand your demographic enough. There was a really interesting survey back in 2015 from the University of California. And I think it explains why the privilege of YouTube influencers in the last few years is so perhaps, I don't know if shocking is the right word, but jarring. And the survey basically asked young British kids to rate their top 10 influencers. And basically the University of California came back and said, looking at survey comments and feedback, teens enjoy an intimate and authentic experience with YouTube celebrities who aren't subject to image strategies carefully orchestrated by PR pros. Now, I thought that was really interesting because the minute you fall out of touch is the minute you actually do have a very carefully orchestrated PR um, campaign behind you. And I think that's why for so many young people, they do sense to tend to gravitate. Yeah, so you initially gravitate because of the relatability, but of course YouTube celebrities are going to become like normal celebrities. Like it's absurd for us to consider that they wouldn't. Yeah, and I think privilege is fine. I mean, in our everyday lives, we're going to come across people who are less privileged and people who are more privileged, and that's just the nature of living in a capitalist world. But I think the crux of this is that it needs to be acknowledged. I think everyone needs to make the effort to really acknowledge the privileges and the 
uh, benefits of the life they were born into or the life they've created for themselves. I don't think there's much of a difference, but it is important to acknowledge your own privilege. And for Alfie Days to get up and say, I've got to drink my water out of an empty glass because he couldn't use his own filtered ice cubes is beyond ridiculous. For him to stand there and hold up that one pound coin as if it was diseased and, oh my God, how am I going to live on this? He's ignoring the single mothers, the dads, the kids who legitimately live like this on a daily basis. And he is trivializing and belittling and mocking the lifestyle they lead while standing in a million dollar mansion with five bedrooms. I know we said this a little bit and we do say this a little bit with Instagram in that it being a relatively new platform that there aren't the kind of checks and balances in place for young kids and young people to ensure that their experience on the platform is a really healthy one. I consider it similar with YouTube in that I can't think of a time where young people like like Alfie Dyers or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> Can you tell I'm trying to be a huge expert on who this guy is? In fact, the first time I'd ever seen him was in this video. I love that when his name came out of your mouth, your eyes looked at me as if you'd be like, did I just fuck that? <laughs> it's like, oh, I love just mumbling a word and just hoping it comes out fine and no one notices. Anyway, when it, I can't imagine and I can't remember a time where young people were given so much influence on consumerism regarding younger young, young kids. Usually when when advertisements were launched or ads were created on the TV or billboards were, were put up, is that not just a whole group of, of old adults sitting in a room thinking about how they can sell to kids? Whereas when you're actually talking about young kids selling to young kids, there are far, far less checks and balances put in place and far less ability to, to call somebody out who is being really privileged and who isn't understanding the the market that they're selling for. Absolutely. And how out of touch and how privileged these YouTubers are is eye-watering. I was watching a video during the week where a beauty influencer was talking about how he dropped $30,000 of furniture, just like it was, oh, so this week I bought $30,000 of furniture for my new home. And then he was rattling off all the things he got. And he did acknowledge that that's a relatively large amount of money, but that's just baffling to me that you can sit in front of the camera and be like, I spent $30,000 on furniture. It's a really odd... It has to be a terrible branding exercise if you are, you know, cultivating a following based on being relatable. Mm. And then on top of that, there's everything else. There's plastic surgery, there's cars, there's just extreme luxury in the way these people are living and that's fine I'm not taking that away from them if you've earned for your earned your money and you've worked for it that's your money to use but it's really not helpful to then belittle and mock people below you which is what Alfie did I think the plastic surgery one is interesting and we could go on for hours about that because sure should you should you acknowledge that you've had plastic surgery for the good of women, but also should you acknowledge you've had plastic surgery and how fucking expensive it is for young girls who are getting lip filler and spending all of their pay packet on getting lip filler to look like the people they see on their, their phone screen. I wonder if there's, if there should be more open dialogue, not just about what procedures have happened, but how much money is in it. Well, that's the issue as well. Is and the, the privilege behind that. aren't paying for those procedures. Yeah, exactly. So they're getting free lip fillers and eyelash extensions and Botox and eyebrow tattoos every single month but those are all provided to them as long as they provide a little hashtag and a tag back to the beauty clinic so again it's all about money and consumerism and it is really baffling that it's gotten to a point now where people like Elfie days with such huge power are so detached from the people who gave him that power 
It is, but I also, probably not that surprising. I mean, this is such new terrain. I think the only thing we can possibly do is have people like Jack Mate. I cannot believe I'm calling somebody by their YouTube handle as if they're legitimate. But I think having people like that to call them out is really the only way we can go. It's probably, it's, it's a shame, but it's no surprise that it's ended up this way where YouTubers have lost all sense of reality. And it's no surprise that Jack Mate's video on Elfie Days has already racked up more than a million views in a few days. It's just important that we keep having these conversations, I guess. And as harsh as it sounds, calling people out on their bullshit. I think that's all we've got for today. I think it is. Thanks so much for joining us for episode 16. For the next four weeks, I will actually be overseas. Don't rub it in. Shut up. Move on. But I'm saying that because we don't want you guys to stress. We will be dropping a heap of stuff over that um, over that period we have. Um, an episode still dropping every Monday. It's not the regular format because, well, we'd be lying if we said it was going to be. We got our crystal ball out, <laughs> predicted what's going to happen over the next month. But we have put some together some really special bonus episodes for you guys based on more um, evergreen content that we have been really interested in but haven't found a place to insert into our weekly episodes. Yeah, we've also got interviews with a few influencers coming up for you, an interview with a paparazzo, which I'm super keen to share. We've got lots of really good stuff coming up. That's clickbait, but it's fine. Okay, good. Um, I'm just going to warn you. I might unfollow you on Instagram because I don't want to see your photos while I'm freezing and wearing like 10 pairs of socks. That's like half of my Instagram following gone then because I have about three followers. So I'm going to unfollow you just for four weeks just because my mental health can't put up with it while I'm eating like packet soups out of mugs and stuff. Is that okay? I'll probably be still eating packet soups too. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Please subscribe to the show in your feed. That's how people find us because we're independent. It can be hard to get the word out there so if you click that little subscribe button and you give us a rating that really helps other people find our show and it earns you our eternal love yeah do that and also don't forget come and take part in the conversation um our facebook group is a lovely little corner of the internet we love the conversations going on in there so please come and join us you can search for shameless celebrity gossip on facebook we will also link to the facebook group in the show notes and you can come and be our friend down there we are also on instagram just search for shameless podcast and you can also come and be our friend there (laughs) have a safe flight Thank you. Put on a sheet mask. I do. You gave me a sheet mask for the flight, which was very lovely. Yeah, I am a really good friend. So I will be doing that and then I will be spamming the Instagram feed and that's my role for the next four weeks. Maybe what our compromise can be is that you can put photos once every week into our shameless Instagram feed. That is the most self-absorbed thing. I don't think anybody cares about me going on holidays. So I'm not doing that. I think they will. No, they don't. That's fine. I'll just, (laughs) we will be back in a couple of weeks. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time (laughs) to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in -hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye. In the meantime, we'll still be coming into your ears. So keep looking out for the episodes. Every Monday. Thanks, guys.